When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's so bright in here. Wow, I've emerged from the darkness. And so has Aaron Rodgers. He has finally emerged from his darkness retreat. We hope that he's seeing all the clarity he wanted and everything's making sense now, okay? And just so everybody knows, as he steps back into the light, Rogers spent his time in a hobbit-like structure with 300 square feet of space. And uh, it's very similar to the location behind me that you just saw there. It was located in a forest in Oregon where there was a queen bed, a bathroom, and a meditation-like mat on the floor. So I just wanted to clear that up for everyone. Welcome to NFL Live, where to be honest, it's very well lit at all times. Lots more coming, okay? And we're gonna get to all of that. The news around the league as we continue to find the light here on the show. But first, Let's say hi to those who bring light to every day. Keyshawn Johnson and Mina Kimes, as well as Jeremy Fowler here. Jeremy, I'll start with you. Enlighten us. What are the next steps for Aaron Rodgers as he re-enters the world here? Well, the Packers are trying to find some of that light you're talking about because they are expected to meet with Aaron Rodgers at some point between now and free agency to hash out exactly what Aaron Rodgers wants. That could happen, say, today. Could happen a week from now. And meanwhile, the New York Jets are waiting. All indications I'm receiving is that Aaron Rodgers is the Jets' option number one. And that Derek Carr and some other quarterbacks would be behind that. Barely. So the Jets are waiting. They're, meanwhile, in the car sweepstakes, they're trying to figure out what's going to go on, but nobody quite knows what Aaron Rodgers wants to do yet. Even though he doesn't have a no-trade clause in his contract, the Packers respect whatever his wishes are going to be, and they want to try to hash that out. And meanwhile, Laura, Jordan Love, I continue to hear, wants to play, is ready mm -hmm. to play and be the starter for the Green Bay Packers and the Packers believe he's ready to play. You know, you feel for Jordan Love, who ends up mixed up in the darkness of all this at all times. I promise I'll stop <laughs> at the dark and the light. But either way, Mina and Kay, we want some insight from you. And Mina, start first. What should Rodgers do now that he's out of the darkness? Well, I continue to believe the best fit for Rodgers, if he wants to keep playing, is a team that's really all too familiar with the concept of darkness when it comes to the quarterback <laughs> position, and that is the New York Jets for a couple of reasons. One, I really like this roster. We talk a lot about teams that are quarterback away. Most of the time, that's actually not true. I actually believe it in the case of the Jets. They have an elite young defense, fun, exciting young skill players, an offensive line that could use some improvement, but I think is good enough to protect Aaron Rodgers. And perhaps equally importantly, this is a team that not only wants to win now, but kind of needs to win now. They do not have a long timeline with their current head coach and GM. It feels like they need to be in the playoffs next year, and Aaron Rodgers is their fast track for doing so. I, I agree with you, Mina. I think it's certainly the New York Jets, when you think about it, they're a quarterback away. If you, if you look at this division as a whole, the New York Jets probably could have swept Buffalo if they had a quarterback that could actually play like an Aaron Rodgers. And when you talk about the New England Patriots, and I know we look at uh, who they have in Bill O'Brien coming to maybe help Mac Jones and that offense out. Let's put them aside. The Miami Dolphins, what's that quarterback situation like? Can Tua stay healthy? Or are they going to look to possibly replace him 
if they're not comfortable come draft time with the position that he's in. So when you say to yourself, what's the perfect spot? Everything Mina said, it's the New York Jets for sure. Yeah, the Jets' new offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, by the way, who spent three seasons with Rodgers as the Packers' offensive coordinator, so there's a lot of familiarity there. Let's get to some more news today. Eric Bieniemy officially introduced as the commander's new offensive coordinator, and here's some of his intro press conference. Being a head coach right now is not in my, in my thought process. Right now, here's what I'm focused on. I'm focusing on being the best coach that I can be today, okay? The rest of everything else will take care of itself starting tomorrow. I live in the moment, okay? So I got to be implanted, and Nikki know exactly what I'm about to say. I got to be where my feet are. So right now, my feet are planted right here. It's been an amazing journey, you know, getting to this point and having the success that we've had over the years. But now it's time for a new challenge. And looking at these guys up front, Eric Bienem is fired up. He's fired up. I'm excited when it's time to start talking ball with these guys, to start getting to work. But when it's all said and done with, why not Washington? The enemy's former QB, Patrick Mahomes, jumped on Twitter after the news conference and tweeted, there should be no questions on how great of a man slash coach the enemy is. His leadership has a direct impact on the player and person I am today. Ten plus years learning under one of the greatest coaches of all time, and I cannot wait for him to continue to prove doubters wrong. So, I mean, the reality is, though, the enemy goes from Patrick Mahomes to Sam Howell. What do you expect his offense to look like now that he'll be calling the plays? Yeah, well, if it actually is Sam Howell, they're saying it's going to be Sam Howell, but you know this time of year, teams, you can mm. never really tell truth from fact. Um, he, he's a bit of an unknown in the NFL, but we have seen him play a great deal, of course, at UNC and then uh, in limited in preseason pre action and in the one game with Washington. And what we do know about him is that he's very mobile. He's a true dual-threat quarterback, I think. He's got um, pretty good straight-line speed. He has a quick release, and he has a big arm. You saw that uh, not in his last year at UNC, but really in the prior year when he had better skill players, how he could push the ball downfield. The next year, he was uh, had a, didn't have much talent around him. I think that's a big part of the reason why he fell in the draft. So what does that mean for Eric Bieniemy? Well, I actually think a lot of the concepts that Bieniemy measured in in Kansas City translate well to Washington for Howell as a quarterback. You're going to see a lot of RPOs taking advantage of that quick release. You're going to see him boot him out, cut the field in half, try to give him simpler reads, and then you're going to see him on the move, obviously more than I think you saw Patrick Mahomes on the move. That's not saying Sam Howell is going to beat Patrick Mahomes. It's just saying there are principles and concepts that we saw from Bieniemy that I think Sam Howell would have success with. And I would say, Mina and Laura, what are the real expectations here in a loaded division, right? And I say loaded division. I'm talking about, obviously, Philadelphia, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New York Giants that surprisingly got to the playoffs and won their game. And, and so I still have questions about the quarterback position. As you mentioned, you're leaving Patrick Mahomes to go to Sam Howell. Now, they do have a couple pieces in McLaurin and some other pieces on the offensive side of the football that will – put you in a better place in a better move, but no offensive coordinator is good or great without a stellar quarterback. And can he develop this young man, if it's him and not somebody else, into becoming something? A new ownership group will be in town at some point in time. Will they be patient enough to let Eric Bieniemy and Ron Rivera continue to develop this quarterback over time? Because I don't think in one year they're going to get to where they're trying to get to.
Yeah, I think we all are excited to see Bienemy in this role and hope he has a ton of success. Lots of quarterbacks to get to here, and we're glad we have our insider Jeremy Fowler for that. Let's go through some of them. We start with Howell. Yeah. What is the expectation there? So the expectation is that he earns the QB1 job in mm -hmm. Washington. Washington wants to give him every chance to do that. They love what he did behind the scenes this last year and then in his one start for the team. Now Carson Wentz has a $26 million cap hit. So his future there is a bit shaky. Could bring back Taylor Heineke. They love Ooh. him as the bridge backup, a guy who can start if needed. But Hal's expected to be the guy, and they want to give him some opportunities to move, throw on the run a little bit, play action, see what he can do with the new offensive coordinator. Now we got Derek Carr. I was told from various sources around the league that three other teams have recently called and connected with Carr. So we know the Saints and the Jets he visited with, but there are some others in the mix. Interesting car remains high. And so the Jets, I'm told, had a great visit with Carr. They walked away not only excited about the player, but the person and how he would fit in that locker room as well. And we have Jimmy Garoppolo. So talking to teams around the league, he's expected to be really number three on the pecking order behind Carr and Aaron Rodgers in this quarterback carousel we're all talking about. And some natural fits the teams mentioned. You got the Houston Texans if they need a bridge option behind whoever they draft. And then the Atlanta Falcons, because he, you know, Arthur Smith runs a variation of that Kyle Shanahan system. But Garoppolo's gonna be costly. He wants a contract commensurate with his skill set and ability. Yeah, and if a veteran free agent quarterback is not your preference, Jeremy, there's some other options, okay? This is the draft for you. Last week, Todd McShay released his latest mock draft, headlined by Bryce Young to the Colts, who acquired that pick via a projected trade with the Bears, who hold the number one pick. Then it's C.J. Stroud to the Texans, followed by two of the most polarizing prospects in this draft class, and Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Key, we start with you. As you think about what should happen here, uh, tell us a team or or a, a contender that could consider moving up in this draft for a quarterback instead of looking for a veteran option in free agency. Who sticks out for you? Well, I, I think when you look at all the teams that need quarterbacks, Laura, they can sit and wait, in my opinion, for these guys to fall to them because I don't think that this is one of the, the 1985 draft of quarterbacks. This isn't the draft where you look and you say these are can't-miss prospects. And, and when you talk about the top of the draft in the Indianapolis Colts and you look at just the Indianapolis Colts history of the type of quarterback that the Ursay family has always wanted, the Mannings, the, the Lux, you know, even to the point Phillip Rivers and you talk about Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz and Jacoby Brissett. I'm talking about size and size matters in the National Football League. And Bryce Young is a phenomenal player. There's no question about it. If he was a, a few, you know, just a little bit bigger, mm. he would be this can't miss by far. But I... And I don't want to hurt his money, but if I'm general manager and I'm making a decision, I'm probably not going to take him with the number one overall pick. And that's not to say he wouldn't be a first round pick, but I, I just, you know, I can't, I, I just can't. Too small for my liking. So, you know, Indianapolis, I, I don't know that they, what they would do at two. I bet you they would probably go Will Levis, but what do I know, right? Yeah, we'll find out. Um, I'm told that Mina can't hear right now, so we're going to bring Jeremy back in, and we'll see if we can get Mina. Mina, do you hear me? <laughs> Let's uh, do it. Sort of, yeah. Okay. All right, so um, if, you're, if yeah. you're talking about a team outside the top five range, who should move up to get a QB? Y yeah, well, I should start by saying it sounds like, from based on what I could hear, that I'm a little bit higher on these uh, quarterback prospects than key. Not that any of them are can't miss, but I think there's – four that are probably likely to go in the top half of the first round because they all do have immense potential. And to that end, when I look at the teams picking after one and two and even after Indianapolis that I think should 
really seriously consider trading up for a quarterback. One that comes to mind for me is Carolina. This mm. is a football team that has been basically uh, looking for band-aids at the quarterback position for several years now and has made a number of mistakes. It's also a team that doesn't have to win now. It's a team that just hired, I think, a stellar coaching staff. And if I'm their owner, I tell that staff, we are going to give you time to develop a young quarterback, to build your team around him. They've got good young players. I think the offensive line in particular is getting better. So if I were Carolina, I would seriously consider moving up for a quarterback. As far as which quarterback, well, we have a lot of time to discuss that ahead of the draft. You, you, you know, Mina, I don't think any of these teams have to win right now. I mean, when you, when you think about it, they all pretty much got new head coaches in place and they got time to find somebody. And just because a team, and I learned this a long time ago, just because you think you need a quarterback, you don't have to reach to get one. There's other quarterbacks that are coming down the pipeline. What you have to do is you have to have a plan in place to be competitive to, until you fix the situation at hand. And so I don't want to see somebody just reach to get a quarterback for the sake of getting quarterbacks. And that's how you get fired in this league. Yeah, a reminder, if you're thinking about Carolina, and I love that suggestion by Mina Frank Reich there, you're going to have Josh McCown working with the quarterback, and Reich certainly knows how to develop a young guy. Now, if you are looking for a quarterback and don't want to move up into the top five range, yeah. spend all that money, there's one other potential first-round QB out there, Jeremy, Anthony Richardson from Florida. What yeah. are the GMs around the league saying about him? Yeah, Laura, I've covered the draft for a little bit now. Right. I can't remember a bigger variance league-wide on a feeling about a quarterback than Anthony Richardson. I've talked to multiple teams whose scouting departments have first-round grades and fourth-round grades on the same player. We're talking wow. fourth round. So he's immensely talented. And so that talent sh should overshadow the fact that he's a, considered a bit of a prospect, should go somewhere where he can maybe sit a year. But this quote from an NFL executive sticks with me. He's Cam Newton and Justin Fields combined. As far as the ability, he has that. Yeah, uh, if you're going to say that, then I could see why some team might say, listen, we're going to take that risk and see what happens. All right, we're just getting started here on NFL Live. Keep it right here. After the season-ending head injuries for Tua Tungabailoa, he's turning to another sport for help. Uh, but here why Key has some doubts on his approach. We'll explain. Plus, after an electrifying season from Danny Dimes and Saquon, the Giants have tough decisions to make with their contracts. Here why Mina thinks the Giants should not be in a rush to throw a long-term deal to their quarterback. More NFL Live on the way. Don't stop the rock like tick-tock. Don't stop the clock to break the dawn. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. What if in 2024 you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Try Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. 
Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. They have over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com tackle. Get 60% off at babbel.com tackle. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash tackle. Rules and restrictions may apply. I love the fact that years later, life comes full circle. Danny and I and Jerry are able to put this lead together and, um, and able to provide opportunities for players. Jaquez is on. He feels it. There they go. He's off. Trying to find a seam. Spin move. Don't let the game get too big, you know, just kind of... Everyone do their job 100% and everyone go out there and execute. Remember, games are won in the second half. I've got a really good look. I've got control. And I've got the right foot down and bound. So we're just going to give you a new spot. Check 15 to the left. 15, 15. In the NFL, the coaches' mics get turned off with about 15 seconds left. XFL, they stay on all the way throughout. Y'all going to let him clean the pile up like that when he's out of bounds. My guys can play like that. Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck. Daffy Duck. Hey, scramble to Daffy Duck on one. Ready? <laughs> well, let's nah, see. I'm going to be honest with you. I hey, don't know that. Move. I said I hit the gritty. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Gun double left. Two jet. Z hammer. F sail on one. Right. Depending on the look, though, you could end up throwing it to the F. Double left. The sail is right down here. So keep an eye on this. If you get a good quality look, you could potentially hit that sail route to the right hand side. You can feel it today, the passion, the excitement. Yeah, no, that's me, that's on me, yes. I flipped it, I knew I was how the guy was looking at. They both came, yeah. One point conversion. Mickey! Mickey! Wayne! Nope, he's short. I'll be damned. Two dimes, we can't get that one yard. There was no play at all. And they jumped off sides and it was all, all vert. So that's what happened on that one. I don't have a look down the line. Looks like he moves with the ball. We're going to let the ruling on the field stand. Third and seven. McCarron has a receiver. Caught. Touchdown. He's going to get you. It's awesome. It, uh... Uh, look at those guys. <laughs> if you're not sold by the XFL now, I can't help you. The access unprecedented and what a launch week for the XFL is now week two is upon us. Kicking off tonight with the Battle Hawks taking on the Sea Dragons and continues Saturday with the DC Defenders and Vegas Vipers. Both of those games on FX. Then on Sunday, the Brahmas and the Guardians on ESPN at 4 Eastern and the Renegades and Roughnecks are on ESPN 2 at 7. All four games also available on ESPN+. Plus. Glad you're with us on NFL Live. Hey, one of the biggest stories of the 2022 season was Tua Tungavailoa's concussions. He was on pace for his best season yet, derailed, though, by those head injuries and certainly a discussion point for everyone as you look toward the safety of the game. Tua appeared on the Up and Adams podcast earlier this month and talked about part of his plan to combat the injuries, saying, quote, 
We've got a plan set up. I'll be doing judo on Fridays just so that I can kind of figure out understanding my body and how to fall. That's key there, and let's go to key. You like the idea of Tua learning to fall, Keyshawn? I mean, you always do some stuff that's not in your sport to try to get things better in your body and, and whatnot, but I don't know if judo, judo I, don't, I don't know much about it, but if somebody's grabbing you and slanging you to the ground, I don't know how you can stop your fall or if his issues is the concussions and he's running and sliding and somebody's diving on him or hitting him out of bounds, I don't necessarily know how that would help you. But whatever, whatever he can do to continue to stay on the field, go ahead and do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I too don't know a lot about how this might help with concussion mitigation. I, I certainly hope that there's something to be learned there. I do know one thing that can help, though, and that's Tua being hit less with better protection. That's the only thing I feel confident saying uh, would help him in this regard, and it's the number one thing I think the Dolphins need to focus on this offseason. Last offseason, there was an emphasis on improving the offensive line. You go out and get Teron Armstead, who's one of the better tackles in football, but he's also a tackle that struggled with injuries. They also have free agents on the offensive line. There was a lot of changes in that lineup last year. And while Tua was the fourth least pressured quarterback in football, don't let that fool you. It's largely because he had the fourth quickest release in football. So if I'm Miami, that is my absolute number one goal this offseason to work on getting at least depth for that offensive line. That's the best thing you can do to help protect Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, um, guys, I don't know much about judo either, but I did do a little bit of quick research. It is also translated to the gentle way. It's unarmed martial arts, a Japanese martial arts. And the main focus, <laughs> Keyshawn, is grappling, <laughs> ground fighting, like and trying to get your opponent um, to be contained in any way possible. So there you go. We'll see how Tua... <laughs> Response to all of that. Coming up next on NFL Live, Vance Joseph is returning to Denver to be their defensive coordinator. Here, why Mina believes his aggressive approach will take this talented group to the next level. Much more NFL Live. Glad you're with us today on ESPN. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. After days and days of waiting, we are finally ready to start this game. Kelsey over the shoulder. He's got the touchdown. 
does not look good. Slide down at the one, very smart inbound. 11 seconds left, the kick is good. The Chiefs kick them for Razor Banner above the National Football League again. Your Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And every Thursday here on NFL Live, we check out what's on trend around the NFL. I'm going to present a stat from the 2022 season. And one of our analysts will tell you if that trend continues this season. Today, it's an all-AFC AFC West edition, beginning with Patrick Mahomes, the Super Bowl champion Chiefs. In his first season without Tyreek Hill, Mahomes relied heavily on his tight ends and running backs, throwing a league-high 31 touchdowns to those positions nearly twice as many as any other quarterback. And that's also the most in any season in the Super Bowl era. So, Mina, do you expect that trend to continue next season? Laura, I don't know yet, and that's a good thing. Let me explain why. The reason why Patrick Mahomes uh, led the league in this stat is because after trading away Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs' offense evolved. They became more multiple. They leaned more heavily on their running backs and tight ends, as we talked about last year, or all year long. Pardon me. This offseason, they may spend a premium draft pick on another wide receiver or maybe go out and sign someone. And if they do, the offense will evolve again because that is what they do. They evolve to their strengths, their personnel, and it's what makes them so great. Thinking about everybody else in that division, like, golly, are they going to get better? And speaking <laughs> of, the Chargers will have a new offensive coordinator next season as Kellen Moore replaces Joe Lombardi. Moore will look to unlock more big playability in the Chargers offense as Justin Herbert had the third shortest average pass distance in the NFL this season. And the Chargers offense as a whole ranks 27th in the NFL in explosive plays. Key, do the Chargers need to air it out more? I think they do, and that's the reason that they went out and got Kelly Moore. They pushed the ball down the field in Dallas. When I talk about pushing the ball down the field, I'm not talking about 60-yard bombs. I'm just talking about huge chunk plays, something that the Chargers didn't necessarily do under Joe Lombardi. And remember, Lombardi came from the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton. Methodical, dink and dunk, move the ball, accuracy down the field, take your time and score, and that's essentially what the Chargers were doing. We know the Raiders are in the market for a new quarterback this offseason, but they have some issues to address on defense as well. Las Vegas allowed the second highest QBR in the NFL this season and also ranked bottom three in sacks and defensive efficiency. Mina, where would your focus be this offseason to try to reverse that trend in Vegas? The pass defense, particularly the secondary, the Raiders defense best player is star edge rusher Max Crosby. That is not the problem. The problem is on the back end, if they didn't get pressure, it was disastrous. Um, you know, a lot of bad drafts preceded this current regime, so there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of acquiring cornerbacks and safeties. But I would say that is the number one job for the Raiders this offseason, both in free agency, they have a lot of cap space, and potentially in the draft. Staying in the AFC West, some news today out of Denver, where they named Vance Joseph their defensive coordinator. Jeremy, why did Sean Payton make that hire? Well, Laura, I was told from a source that Vance Joseph became the leader in the clubhouse after his interview late last week. He really impressed in person when he met with Sean Payton. I'm told the two have long had a mutual respect for each other. So even though Rex Ryan, some others were in the mix, Vance Joseph was also a strong candidate with Philadelphia for their defensive coordinator role. So he won out. He was very coveted. And then also Sean Payton bringing back an old friend, Joe Lombardi, who is his OC in New Orleans. He'll be on the staff somewhere. Yeah, he's uh, been a coach under Sean Payton three times. They don't have a role yet. It's unspecified, but either way, Lombardi joining that staff. Mina, on that Denver defense, what sticks out to you, especially knowing that Vance Joseph is going to be in charge? Yeah, stylistically, this is quite a departure for a Denver defense that most recently under Ajiro Evero came from the Vic Fangio tree. 
did not blitz much, played a lot of zone coverage, that split safety looks. Um, whereas Vance Joseph is one of the more aggressive defensive coordinators in football. I think we will see more man coverage with the personnel that they have, particularly in that secondary, the talent that they have. And then I also think they're going to see more players rushing the quarterback. Uh, he is a genius at designing pressures from unexpected places. So I'm curious to see what he does with his personnel because his Denver defense does have a ton of talent. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see this Broncos team maybe look like what we thought they were going to be last year when some of us had them going a lot further than they did, okay? All right, coming up next on NFL Live, keep it right here. The Lamar Jackson contract controversy saga continues in Baltimore. Stick around to hear the latest from Jeremy Fowler on why this standoff might just be getting started. A whole lot more NFL Live and apparently a whole lot more Lamar Jackson talk. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It's a knee, but it's not a season-ending type of knee. The Ravens, they're officially without Lamar Jackson. If he doesn't go out and play well because of his injury, they're going to say, well, we don't advance, so we can't give you what you think you deserve. The offensive coordinator Greg Roman is stepping down. Lamar's at his best when he runs a post-style offense. Watch what you guys watch, and it's pretty amazing. I think they made it very clear that they're not planning on moving on from Lamar Jackson. Whenever the offseason begins, he needs to be in the building. I wouldn't step foot in Baltimore until a deal is done or I move. I think he should have more questions about the damn Baltimore Ravens than the Ravens have about Lamar Jackson. So the Lamar Jackson contract saga continues as we march towards the March 7th franchise tag deadline. Jeremy Fowler wrote a comprehensive piece, really interesting, for ESPN.com. Check it out on the situation in Baltimore. Jeremy, what did you learn in your reporting? Well, I learned about the sheer surprise from both players and coaches in the playoffs when Lamar Jackson didn't play. They really mm -hmm. had budgeted for him to be back for the postseason and to try to help them make a Super Bowl run. So that didn't happen. They, they sort of had to compartmentalize what was going on. You know, I was talking to team sources who said, look, a couple months ago, I thought there was no chance Lamar Jackson would ever be traded. And now it does feel like anything's possible. Now, the Ravens have been clear, though, that they are hopeful and they plan to have Lamar long term. But the sheer gulf in, in guaranteed money between what the team is willing to offer as of now and what Lamar Jackson wants could prove insurmountable over time because I was told from a source that Jackson wants in his counter offers to the team fully guaranteed deals at a higher per year clip than what Deshaun Watson got, which is $46 million a year guaranteed. So that's a huge leap that Baltimore is going to have to try 
to bridge eventually. And can they do it? They got some time. They'll franchise tag them first and then figure it all out. Okay, so I do want to follow up on the guaranteed money side of this because I think there's been some misinformation out there. You've got this all figured out. Where did the Ravens originally offer when it comes to the guaranteed money that they offered Lamar Jackson in the contract? Yeah, so what we know, and based on reporting from Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen back in the fall, is that their deal included around $133 million in guaranteed money. But their overall contract structure was huge. It was going to pay him among the highest in the league, around $50 million per year or close to it. Should be able to make all that money over time. Now, Lamar Jackson, who's been in contact with the NFL Players Union, and of course he's represented by himself, believes that he should get the fully guaranteed deal. That's been his stance. And so far, he has not budged on that. So we're, we're really talking about a golf of about $100 million Ooh. in guarantees, depending on whether you do a four- or five-year deal. So there's just there's a lot to shake out. They can come to common ground, and maybe Lamar will be willing to meet them halfway at some point. But so far, it has not happened. And that's the song and dance, right? It, mm -hmm. They're going to franchise tag him, and then he's just not going to show up for a while, most likely. And again, as you pointed out, Lamar Jackson represents himself not having an agent. These conversations are happening with him and his family and, of course, those yeah. on that Ravens team. All right, let's read and react to some news around the league, starting right there in Baltimore. If Lamar stays put, he'll have a new offensive coordinator next season. Head coach John Harbaugh talked about what he expects Todd Munkin to bring to the offense. Different kind of tempos, huddle, no huddle, real fast, controlled tempo, call plays at the line. Don't call plays at the line. I mean, these are all things that you talk about, things that he brings to the table that he's really, I just think, very versatile with. And that's going to be very valuable for us. Pete, does that style of offense make sense for Lamar Jackson? Absolutely. You just go back and look at the tape when he was in college at Louisville and some of the things that he did with Bobby Petrino in terms of a pro-style offense, up-tempo, making checks at the line of scrimmage. He's done it before. He can do it again. They can't win a championship running Greg Roman's offense. It was just too hard, and Coach Harbaugh realized that. But they got to go get some receivers to go with him. Can't be out there with nobody. Yeah, at least one, right? Okay. Next up, Jacksonville, where they have a decision of their own to make with the franchise tag. Jeremy, what do we know there? Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars want to keep Evan Ingram. They believe that he's a core piece after he blended with Trevor Lawrence throughout the year. The franchise tag is an option. The team has not decided on that yet. It should be around $11 million or so, close mm -hmm. to it. Reasonable amount. So next week, they're expected to try to shake all that out to likely meet with Ingram and his reps at the Combine. But they want to keep him. He should be there next year regardless, most likely. A lot of this action going to happen at the Combine, isn't it? The Jaguars ended the season on a five-game win streak to earn the AFC South title. And Ingram was a huge part of that over the last five weeks of the season Ingram led all tight ends with 380 receiving yards which included a pair of 100 yard games Mina would you tag Ingram you know I, I might but with an eye towards getting something done because I do think he's a valuable piece of this offense as you just highlighted he had something of a resurgence in Jacksonville really started about halfway through the season, Doug Peterson figured out how to use him best, take advantage of his athleticism, get him the ball in space. We know Doug loves working with tight ends, so I wouldn't be surprised if the coach also prioritizes bringing Ingram back and hopefully continuing to build on what we saw in the second half of the season with Trevor Lawrence. Lots of weapons there. A reminder, Calvin Ridley could be part of that offense, too. So now to Ingram's former teammate in New York, Daniel Jones, who's also a franchise tag candidate. In his first season with Brian Dable, Jones showcased his dual threat ability as he was one of the only three quarterbacks in the NFL to have at least 3,000 passing yards and 700 rushing yards along with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. 
Good company there. And Jeremy, the number being floated out there in different reports yeah. is $45 million for Daniel Jones. Yeah. Is that realistic? I believe it's real, Laura. After wow. making calls the last 24 hours talking to teams, I do believe it's real. I know some teams believe it's real. And there are a few reasons. You have a player who figures, hey, if I get 45, you got Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. All these guys are going to well surpass me. He's barely going to be top 10 mm. in pay by the end of the summer. And then what he did in the season, really with minimal weapons. He just didn't have much around him at the receiver position. Still won them a playoff game. So he's going to hang his hat on those two points and more. So the Giants have until March 7th with the franchise tag deadline. It's $32 million, which is much lower than that. They're prepared to use that if they have to. Either way, Jones should be back. Mm. I know it sounds like a lot of money for a guy that we at the beginning of the season didn't even know if he would finish the year as a starting quarterback based on our minds being somewhat, you know, tricked the first couple of years with the quarterback coaching and the head coaches that he had and the weapons that he had around him. But when he got Brian Dable, he's a totally different guy. You just yeah. looked up there, Laura, and you saw Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. He had no Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown. Devontae Smith for throwing the football to and I and I know look that's a lot of money for a guy that people say well he's only done it one year when you're an offensive coordinator and a head coach a general manager president of a team pro personnel director you have plenty of data on your quarterback you know what he is you can go look at the old tape you can look at the new tape Mina right and you can tell if he's any good and what he'll be projecting moving forward and I think that's what the Giants are doing in this case that's why they're going to entertain that high salary I guess I disagree just because I think that the data you do have on this quarterback based solely on what they've seen isn't good enough for you to believe you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the top end offenses in the NFL of course as you saw at the very end of their season in the playoff run um, now that comes with context key you're absolutely correct in saying Daniel Jones was in a difficult situation and even last year with better coaching you still had a deficit of weapons it is entirely possible that next year, if they go out and they get him a number one wide receiver, maybe improve the interior offensive line, he takes another leap and maybe starts pushing the ball downfield more, which didn't really happen this season. I completely think that can happen. But why not wait and just see if it does happen? You can franchise tag him. You have that leverage over him. I understand you're gonna, probably going to have to pay more money if he proves himself that he can take that second step, but I think you'll be happy to do so if he does, and you'll have more information to work with. The reason that you try to get a deal done with him, like you said, the price tag is going to go up. And you don't want it to continue to go up. And on top of that, we've spent a majority of this show talking about quarterbacks. Where is he coming? Is he going to be? Guess what? They got their guy. That's their guy. So why mess around with it? Let's just get it done to a certain level. And I'm not saying it's 45 million. Maybe it's 39 and a half. And with some escalators, that kicks him to 45. But it certainly isn't 32. It seems like Daniel Jones is not going to be happy with anything less than at least 45 million. Reminder, he did change agencies very recently, too, trying to get that money. So, Jeremy, the other issue in all of this is Saquon Barkley and his upcoming free agency. Assuming they have to use the tag on Daniel Jones, what would the plan be for Saquon? Well, they want to keep him as well. Similar boat. They have the franchise tag in their back pocket at around 10 million, which is a low clip for a player of Barkley's skill set. So they're hopeful to do more of a long term deal. I was told from a source with the team, they believe they're in a good spot. They've been negotiating, they've been talking. Lines of communication have been positive. The problem is the top of the running back market is like 16 million a year. No team really wants to go there anymore. The running back market yeah. has suffered. He's a different player, though, different elite status. So we'll see if they can find some middle ground.
Yeah, and, and that running market, back market, Jeremy, is also pretty saturated this offseason. You look at some of the yeah. free agents who are potentially available, guys like Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard are free agents. I mean, they might go back to their teams, but the point is the more players there are, and there's some very good ones, the less likely it is that anyone given back will command a huge salary. On top of the fact, it's also a very good running back's draft. Now, that mm. said, Saquon Barkley is a special back. He was the most dynamic skill player on the Giants last year. So I do think there is an incentive to get a deal done, but I also believe because of that market, it does have to be a reasonable contract. Otherwise, they should just move on. Yeah, if you want to be competitive in the division, let alone the conference, you sign him, you pay him, because that's your quarterback's best friend is Saquon Barkley. All right, 12 days to the franchise tag deadline, guys. A lot more of this news is going to be flying around. We can't wait for it here, okay? After the break, how will the Cardinals' new offensive coordinator turn around their lackluster offense? Here, who's saying their season is over before it even started? Goodness, who's the negative Nancy on the show? We'll find out next. Be right back. More NFL Live on the way. Don't stop rock like Don't stop clock to break the door till the early morning. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. UFC Fight Night returns Saturday with our light heavyweight main event. Prelims start at 4 Eastern, followed by the main card at 7 Eastern on ESPN+. And you can get it on the action. Go to ESPNplus.com or download the ESPN app. Don't miss it. Let's get to the Arizona Cardinals, guys. Entering a new era with a remake of their coaching staff. Jonathan Gannon hired away from the Eagles as head coach. And Drew Petzing has been brought in as offensive coordinator. Task number one, when Kyler Murray returns from injury, bring out the best in him. Here's more from Petzing today on that offense. I think that's going to be an ever-evolving process that we need to work through. Certainly I have a, an idea of what I want to do and what I think these players want to do well and will do well. Um, and I think that's going to be the, the big challenge this offseason to put that together. Yeah, you just, you just, excuse me, you, already, you just, you know, poked the bear right there because he already said, <laughs> he goes, why would you tell people we're going to play under center? You just give it, you, I mean, don't you know how to handle the media? You know? so, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. I got it, I got it. Sorry, Drew. I think they're going to play under center, though. All right. Uh, Murray, remember, uh, the speaking of the progress he's going to have to make, Posted the worst QBR of his career this past season, averaged only 6.1 yards per pass attempt. That's the worst mark by any quarterback. And Jeremy, what does the Cardinals front office want out of this new coaching staff, specifically when it comes to Kyler Murray? Well, they want to coach him hard, and they want to improve his leadership. There have been some issues with work ethic and punctuality. 
He clashed with Cliff Kingsbury, the former head coach, at times, and so they want to try to bring out the best in him. And I do believe, based on asking around, that Kyler Murray does want to be coached hard with this new regime. So that you're going to try to find a sweet spot there. And then they want to get him under center a little more, just get some new ideas. The Cliff Kingsbury offense worked well for a while with Kyler Murray, but they were limited in how they could run the play action and do some things off that. So they want to get yeah. a little more creative in that sense. Well, that uh, under center comment is intriguing. We really don't see <laughs> coaches tipping their hand like that and talking a little about scheme that way. Oh um, and, and it is really intriguing from a football perspective because Kyler Murray has rarely been under center in his NFL career. Um, large part because of Cliff Kingsbury's offense, because of his height. They wanted him back there seeing the whole field. But as Jeremy alluded to, it can really help with the Cardinals play action game, which is something they haven't leaned on with Kyler Murray, one of the uh, lowest rates of play action in the NFL. And when I think about under center play action, I think about the success that Russell Wilson, who of course is a similar size as Kyler Murray, <laughs> had uh, running that in Seattle. In fact, uh, during his peak years in Seattle, when he went under center and ran play action, he posted some of the best numbers doing so in the NFL. Allowed him to take the ball back to the defense, roll out, create his own throwing lane, see the field, push the ball downfield, which is something that Kyler really didn't do last season, and, and use his mobility as a factor too. So I'd, I'd actually like to see that because they have to figure out something or some sort of change in this offense to get him pushing the ball downfield more. There's no question they got to figure something out. And you mentioned Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson plays big, though. And, and when you're a smaller quarterback and you're underneath that center, and like you say, you got to get back. You got to get back. You got to find the throwing lanes. And when you're a play action passer, you turn your back. Those windows open and close so fast. And as a receiver, the one thing that you want to see is you want to see the ball come out of the quarterback's hands. And when you don't see the ball come out of the quarterback's hands, you naturally tend to float through your route. And then all of a sudden, the ball comes out. That's a disaster, and I, I just I, I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do, and I'm the one that said their season ended before it started, and on top of that, <laughs> when is Kyler Murray coming back? In November? October? I mean, he's got, a, he's got a time to heal, no question about it, but he's also got to learn the system. He's also got to learn how to be underneath the center. You can't just throw a quarterback underneath the center and say, hey, you go. He needs the reps to do it. He's not going to be able to get those reps because of his injury. Mina, I didn't know if you wanted to respond, but I will say this. Oh, no, when, I mean, yeah. when it comes yeah, to the no, size, uh, Russell Wilson is listed at 5'11 and Kyler Murray at 5'10. That's a big inch, Key. All right, new on NFL Live. Russell you, not yeah, I, I'm going to let you do your job. I'm not going to jump okay, back in. Okay. I'm going to leave it alone. New on NFL Live for Adam Schefter, NFL veteran quarterback Davis Webb, who spent last season backing up Daniel Jones, is being hired as the Broncos quarterback coach for sources. 28-year-old Webb is not going to be coaching the 34-year-old Russell Wilson for his first NFL coaching job. Mina, what do you think? I mean, sure. They have some familiarity as well. I think he was in Seattle, if I remember correctly, briefly. Um, but this is about Sean Payton. It's not about Davis Webb. It's about Sean Payton taking control of the offense and getting Russell Wilson to change his play. Yeah, when style. we saw it, Jeremy was like, God, ah, it's the Sean Payton show, so it makes sense. It, it does. Yeah. All right, time for one more thing before we go. And for that, we check back in on Eric Enemy, who addressed the media this morning. And Laura Rutledge liked it. But now it's time for a new challenge. And... Looking at these guys up front, Eric Bienem is fired up. He's fired up. At the end of the day, Eric Bienem is a ball coach. At the end of the day, Eric Bienem wants to know the people who he's going to work with. Eric Bienem wants to make sure that these guys understand that. There's a lot of third person going on there. <laughs> Anybody want to take that? 
I don't know. I mean, he's fine. I, he's he's fired up. He's hyped. Yeah, they're, they're honestly. Giving him his due. They're giving him the press conference at the suit. They're yeah, I was gonna titles, say money. Like it's a good thing. Didn't it almost feel like they were introducing a head coach? Like, and I thought he presented yeah. like one candidly, which is yeah. Uh, he, great he just for him. he just needs that's to fix right. his collar. That's all. He got to fix that collar. Well, somebody should have helped him with that. He can't see his collar. But either way, Eric Bieniemy can refer to himself in third person all he wants. We'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. Thanks for being with us today.